Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey gang, we'll talk to Glenn Kirshner here in just a second, but I have to tell you about our Patreon page at BobSeskaShow.com. It's absolutely the best way to support this podcast. You can sign up for as little as $1 a month or as much as $15 a month. In fact, if you sign up at the $15 per month level, You'll get our Tuesday and Thursday shows presented without commercials. Plus, you'll also get two post-mortem mini shows recorded after the credits on our Tuesday and Thursday podcasts. And you'll also get the subscription-only after-party podcast on Fridays with its revealing discussions about sex, drugs, rock and roll, and politics. Again, that's bobseskashow.com or click the all-caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, August 5, 2020, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. My guest today is former U.S. attorney, current MSNBC legal analyst, and Stephanie Miller Show regular, Glenn Kirshner. Today we're going to talk with Glenn about Donald Trump's plot to hijack the election by obstructing the use of absentee ballots, partly by slowing down mail delivery. We're also going to talk about Glenn's concept for a Trump Crimes Commission and what Trump might do to wiggle out of legal jeopardy. Link in the description at bobseska.com to follow Glenn on social media and on his YouTube channel. Meanwhile, don't forget to go shopping through our Amazon link under the logo at bobseska.com. Okay, hang on tight. Here comes the great Glenn Kirshner. Glenn Kirshner, it's Bob Seska. How are you? I don't know about you, but I could use a vacation, so I think I may head out to uh, Yosemite National Park. Um, or, or, or maybe Purple Stone National Park. I'm not sure which. God. I or mean... maybe just the Grand, maybe just the Grand Kenyan. You know, <laughs> let's not touch the Grand Tetons, please. That's right. Okay. Well, let's get down to serious business here, Glenn. Uh, thank you so much for being uh, on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you have a new video on your YouTube channel, um, I think it was yesterday, about Trump's criminal conspiracy with Postmaster General Louis DeJoy to interfere in this election. I, I mean, I've also written extensively about this, and I, I feel like there's very little we can do about what they're up to. I mean, how exactly is DeJoy crippling the Postal Service, and what's the potential impact on uh, absentee ballots? 
Yeah, you know, it's um, it's really remarkable. I was a prosecutor for 30 years, and when I look at what Trump and DeJoy are doing in concert, what they're doing together, mm. it looks like a criminal conspiracy to interfere in the upcoming election. You know, conspiracies are never, you know, reduced to writing where, you know, bad guys get together and fill out contracts saying, you know, the party of the first part hereby agrees with the party of the second part to do some crime. Mm -hmm. And then they run down to city hall and file the contract. That's not the way any of this works. What, when we see a, a concert of action, when we see multiple people cooperating to what seems like an unlawful end or goal, like interfering with the free and fair elections, suppressing mm -hmm. the vote, we would ordinarily open a criminal investigation to see whether there, in fact, is a criminal conspiracy underway. When you have Donald Trump saying, you know, voting by mail is fraught with fraud and foreign interference, right? And then he, he does something that is really crazy and inconsistent in the extreme. He says, voting by mail in Florida is good and everybody should do it. But voting by mail in Nevada is bad and nobody mm -hmm. should be permitted to do it. And I'm going to sue the state of Nevada yeah. to make sure nobody can vote by mail. And he uses as a basis of his claim that the Nevadans should not be able to vote by mail, the fact that the Postal Service is too slow to handle it. Now, mm. wait a minute. Can we just unravel this <laughs> yes, for please, a minute? Please do. First of all, who won Florida in 2016? That would be Donald Trump. Who yep. won Nevada in 2016? That would be Hillary Clinton. So mm -hmm. how transparent is it that he says the folks in Nevada shouldn't be able to vote by mail, but the folks in Florida can vote by mail. And then when he uses as his prime piece of evidence that the Nevadans should not be permitted to vote by mail, the fact that the mail is too slow, well, he's the guy who appointed the henchman as Postmaster General Louis DeJoy to slow the mail down. Yeah. So this is insanity on top of insanity. And just like the court smacked him down over his attempted unlawful shutting down of DACA, just like the court smacked him down when he tried to put a citizenship question on the census, and just like the courts smacked him down when he said, I'm above the law so nobody gets to see my tax returns and financial documents, the courts will once again in Nevada smack him down and expose him for the con that he's running. But in the meantime, we are burning valuable daylight because the elections are just around the corner. So, you know, we've got to keep our eyes on the prize. We've got to keep punching and punching looks like doing everything we can to vote, whether by mail, absentee ballot or getting people to the polls or getting them to drop boxes where they can drop their ballots in the event the mail really is too slow you know we just we've got to overwhelm the polls yeah i mean whether it's a, a criminal conspiracy that's pursued in court or whether it's trump and DeJoy uh going to court to defend what they're doing how do they get around this one thing i mean the, the excuse that DeJoy is using is this pension slash health care shortfall that the Postal Service has. And so they're going to use that as the excuse for why they're cutting overtime pay and thus uh, slowing down the mail. So how do you get around that excuse for meddling in the, the Postal Service? Well, you know, it's, I think, qualified. I know we live in a post-irony 
society mm. and sort of a post hypocrisy society <laughs> and a post hyperbole society these days. Yeah. But it is the height of irony for Donald Trump to say, I'm going to put a guy in to slow the mail down as postmaster general and people in Nevada shouldn't be able to vote by mail when Donald Trump could easily be saying, Congress, we need you to appropriate some more money so we can mm. keep the U.S. Postal Service not only solvent, solvent, but able to deliver the mail in a timely manner as they have done year after year after year, even under difficult financial yeah. circumstances, um, instead of using it as an excuse you know, the fact that the, the mail service is being slowed down, using that as an excuse to deprive people of mm. their right to vote. You know, yeah. it's just uh, and, and even Louis DeJoy, I think, said, look, 20 percent of the mail these days is delivered when mail workers are on overtime, whether in the mail sorting plants or out on the routes. And he just came in and said, I'm cutting all overtime. So I'm yeah. not a mathematician, but that translates into 20% of the mail will not be delivered yeah. or certainly not delivered on time. So, mm. you know, Trump has it in his power to seek a remedy to this, but instead he does, we all know he doesn't want a remedy. And oh, that's yeah. part of why the courts will see right through this ploy. And we know that the Republican Senate has already blocked some, I think it was something like a $24 billion bailout for the Postal Service, something along those lines. I mean, the actual number might be wrong. I know it was in the billions. And that was yeah. blocked by Mitch McConnell. So there was an effort to infuse some more cash into the Postal Service. So now, obviously, whatever loophole Donald Trump can jam his gigantic ponderous bulk through he's gonna do that he's gonna do it like the the kool-aid man bashing through the wall you know it, it seems like trump's goal is to create widespread doubt in the integrity of the election glenn i mean how does how does that get exploited for trump's benefit i mean how does he actually turn widespread doubt in the outcome of the election into something that helps him successfully cheat and therefore win the election yeah, I, I mean, chaos is his friend for two reasons. One, amidst chaos, um, corruption thrives. And mm -hmm. corruption is Donald Trump's middle name. He and his family members and his criminal associates have been, you know, skimming off the government, uh, you know, stealing from the government over and over and over again. I, I suspect that's why he announced that Kodak will begin you know, manufacturing pharmaceuticals. So that yeah. the, the, I'm sure he called his friends in advance and said, buy, you know, buy Kodak today because I'll be making this announcement tomorrow. Yeah. I think the, the SEC has already opened an investigation into that. So, you know, th this is what Donald Trump is about. So one, it's because amidst chaos, uh, corruption thrives and he's all about corruption. But the other thing is, I, I don't think if, if he has the capacity to understand this, and I don't know that he does, there's no way he's going to win this election. He's going to lose in a landslide, and he knows that. So the reason chaos is his friend, it's not so much that he thinks he can you know, dig out of the electoral hole that he's going to find himself in. I think it's because the more chaotic things are, the more he will be able to say uh, you know, the night after the election – these results are, are um, not reliable because there was so much chaos. Let's set yeah. aside the fact that the chaos is a product of his own doing. He's going to say there's so much chaos and he's going to have Bill Barr step to the microphone and announce that 
you know, Bill Barr thinks that because there was so much chaos, there was probably foreign interference. They're going to blame it on the Chinese because mm. they've been, you know, China bashing for the last several weeks, hoping that they can then claim foreign interference on the Chinese government. So Bill Barr will say, I, I have opened the national security investigation into the chaos and into the potential foreign interference that undermined our free and fair elections. And therefore, I don't want any of the states you know, any of the electors counting things up and certifying the vote. And I don't think, you know, there was a Newsweek article a few weeks ago that kind of laid out this scenario and took us through the story of how they might successfully avoid the, the count ever sort of being yeah. certified. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't know, there, there have been a lot of, um, you know, responses to that, that it's really not possible. And I don't think they know exactly how it's going to play out, but I think they're going to attack it. I think they're going to use Bill Barr to put up a shield of apparent legitimacy, legal legitimacy, mm -hmm. because if Donald Trump tries to do something, Bill Barr will find a way to twist and contort the law and, and announce that whatever Trump is trying to do is legal, even though it's not. Yeah. And, and I, think they're, I think they're hoping for the best because it's the only way they can all stay out of jail beginning in January. Um, I also believe Trump probably has a whole drawer full of pre-printed pardons with Bill Barr's name on one and his <laughs> yeah. all of his family members and all of his cabinet members and select members of Congress and select Republican governors. I absolutely believe it will be a pardon palooza come November when he loses the election. And then it's going to be up to us to go into court in January and challenge every one of these pardons as being the product of corruption. And I predict we have a really good shot at um, having judges rule that a corrupt pardon has no legal effect. And with your firsthand knowledge of the U.S. code and how uh, DOJ operates, I mean, how how does Bill Barr stop the states from counting the votes, from certifying the votes? How does he stop the electors from voting on December 14th? What specific levers does he have to pull to legitimately stop that process from happening? Well, I, I think the key word is legitimately. Yeah. And I don't think he has <laughs> yeah. a legitimate way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people for the last several years have been asking, how can Donald Trump do X? How can he get away with Y? Yeah. Because it's not lawful. And the answer is he just he just does it. And Bill Barr gives him cover. And the problem is when the chief law enforcement officer for the country, the attorney general, who is responsible for, frankly, investigating crime and corruption and abuse in the executive branch. When he when he abdicates that responsibility and lets the executive branch and the president himself commit any and all crimes with impunity, then they literally can get away with everything, mm -hmm. at least for the time being, because there's no law enforcement mechanism or authority that's above the attorney general. So, you know, I don't know that our founding fathers envisioned the deadly combination of a corrupt criminal runaway president and a corrupt criminal runaway attorney general enabling him. There, it looks like we no longer have a mechanism to attack that because we don't have an independent counsel statute on the books anymore. Mm -hmm. Special counsel, as we all know, Bob Mueller, my old chief of homicide from the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office, <laughs> was beholden to the attorney general or yep. the deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, when he was acting. So, you know, there is no independent 
mechanism to hold the bill bar accountable. And that's why we have been in such deep trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, another angle that I've been looking at, Glenn, is, uh, you know, in this ongoing Trump jihad against absentee ballots, the inevitability that he's going to file some sort of legal challenge to actually stop the vote counting. I mean, so far we've talked about the things that he can do leading up to the election as far as challenging the use of absentee ballots. But what can he do on Election Day and after Election Day to stop those votes from being counted? I mean, let's say, for example, he targets too close to call districts that could swing an entire state. Uh, and, you know, we saw that happen in Florida in 2000. Are you looking at that possibility as well? And, and what exactly can he do? I mean, can he actually involve uh, Bill Barr and the Department of Justice in that endeavor? Yeah, he, he can and he will. I mean, I don't one of the low points for me personally, when you talk about what can he, you know, deploy Bill Barr to do is when I was listening to Department of Justice lawyers. Now, the Department of Justice was my professional home for 24 of my just over 30 years as a federal prosecutor. Wow. The other six and a half, I was a prosecutor in the U.S. Army. I was an Army Jack. And when I heard DOJ lawyers in response to a judge's question when they were arguing a case in the, uh, the second Federal Circuit Court of Appeals, the judge said to the DOJ lawyers, surely you are not saying that if the president went out on Fifth Avenue and shot somebody, he couldn't be arrested and indicted. And the DOJ lawyers answered, yes, your honor, that's the position we're taking. If you believe that Bill Barr has authorized the Department of Justice to take that position, that the president can murder people with impunity, then there is no other, there is no more egregious position that Bill Barr could possibly take. Will he, will he support Donald Trump in his underhanded attempt to sue battleground states after the election results come in and he realizes that he has lost badly. Of course he will. Bill Barr has shown himself to be really, I would say, a co-conspirator with the president of the United States in so many ways. And I don't say that lightly, but if you go back just briefly to the, the phone call with President Zelensky when Donald Trump solicited a bribe and or extorted President Zelensky by withholding congressional funds that were supposed to go to Ukraine and saying, I'm not giving you this until you do me a favor, though, and announce false dirt on my political opponent, Joe Biden. And what did Donald Trump say in the next breath? I need you to get with my my man, Bill Barr and Giuliani to further this corrupt scheme. That was Donald Trump announcing that Bill Barr was a co-conspirator. And whether he was telling the truth about Bill Barr's involvement or not, if he was telling the truth, Bill Barr's a co-conspirator. If he was lying and putting Bill Barr in in a conspiracy that Bill Barr really wasn't part of, then Bill Barr is forever conflicted out because those are the rules of ethics from doing anything involving the president of the United States. So you know, but Bill Barr, he's in it. He's in it for a yeah. penny. He's in it for a pound, just like he announced when he supported across the board pardons during Iran-Contra. He is in it for a pound. He's in it for a ton. Is there any way to find um, malicious intent in that Barr letter? I mean, I'm thinking in terms of how Bill Barr has helped Trump previous to the Zelensky call, previous to Ukraine. And the first thing that he did out of the box was to issue that Barr letter in advance of the Mueller report, which completely defanged the Mueller report, at least in terms of how the press uh, looked at the Mueller report. So is there any kind of framework that would uh, make that 
letter that because it seemed like obstruction of justice to, to, to misrepresent publicly the nature of the Mueller report. Is that pursuable too legally? Is there anything we could do yes, about that it, one? It is. The way we try criminal cases and investigate criminal cases, it's like putting a puzzle together, right? Every piece of the puzzle informs us about what the entire picture will be mm-hmm. once the puzzle is complete. That is a big piece of the puzzle. Of course, there are earlier pieces of the puzzle. I'll talk about the Mueller report in a second because there was his audition memo where he sent a 19-page memo to the president saying, basically, you're above obstruction of justice. That got him hired as attorney general. And then there was during his Senate testimony when Senator Kamala Harris asked him point blank, did anybody at the White House ask or suggest that you open an investigation into any person? And Bill Barr lied through his teeth. I've been in a thousand interviews and interrogations, and you could see the lie. But what the lie was, was he saw he was cornered. So first he pretended to grapple with the word suggested, but he's a smart guy. He knows what the word suggested means. And then he answered that question under oath, I don't know. The thing is, he did know. And that's why he didn't want to answer the question. And can I tell you, Bob, as a prosecutor for 30 years, I don't know is not a perjury proof answer. When you say I don't know, but the truth is you do know, like if somebody asks me what my middle name is and I say, I don't know, that's perjury. So he perjured himself. That's something else that will need to be pursued. But moving forward to the Mueller report, you're exactly right that he basically you know, killed the public's perception of the Mueller report, of its reliability, of its findings and conclusions. And he flat out lied to the American people about the results of one of the most consequential investigations ever undertaken in our nation's history. And you don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to take your word for it. Judge Reggie Walton, who is a lion of the federal court bench, He was appointed first by Ronald Reagan, then reappointed by George H.W. Bush, then appointed to the federal court by George W. Bush, and then elevated to a FISA court position by Chief Justice Roberts. Judge Reggie Walton is the farthest thing from an angry Democrat you're ever going to (laughs) find. He's the one who who issued an order, a written order, and his findings – in the FOIA litigation, where we were trying, people were trying to get the unredacted Mueller report and are still trying, his findings were that Bill Barr, and these are quotes, spun the Mueller report, misrepresent, no, mischaracterized yeah. the findings and conclusions of the Mueller report, and Bill Barr lacks candor. That is a revered federal judge <laughs> saying this man cannot be trusted, and he lied to the American people about this most consequential you know, criminal investigation. Bill Barr is ripe for prosecution come January, and it's just a question of fighting the pardon that Donald Trump will undoubtedly deliver to him. The chilling thing about Barr, uh, Glenn, is that he has that Dick Cheney tone of voice, that mild-mannered, <laughs> even-keeled tone of voice, where he could actually sell any variety of madness. In fact, they did a little bit about it in the movie Vice about Dick Cheney with Christian Bale. And uh, at the same time, Bill Barr is loaded to the gills in Trumpism. I mean, he is one of the main purveyors of Trumpism, but he can get away with it a little more because he's not batshit crazy like Trump is. So is in that respect, is Barr more dangerous than Trump? Oh, so much more dangerous. Yeah. I actually think... Our republic could survive another four years of Trump. Now, now I certainly hope it doesn't come to that. But I don't think the <laughs> yeah. republic can survive. I don't think the republic can survive four more years of the tandem combination mm-hmm. of Trump and Barr, yeah. because you know Barr is the power and the brains behind. You know, Donald Trump is an empty vessel. 
We all know it. He stands for nothing but self-enrichment and self-aggrandizement. And I have maintained for a couple of years now that people are working through the empty vessel that is Donald Trump. Bannon is working through him to deconstruct government. Stephen Miller is working through him for his xenophobic, you know, white only agenda. And Bill Barr is working through him for this unitary, all powerful chief executive theory plus a theocracy, because that's what Bill Barr's thing is. He's trying to build a theocracy. Bill Barr wants everybody to worship the exact same way and the exact same God that Bill Barr worships. So all of these men are trying to accomplish their own nefarious ends through the empty vessel that is Donald Trump. One of the things that's been uh, making me nervous, Glenn, is this thing Trump keeps saying about how the Supreme Court's DACA decision uh, allows him to make his own laws now. Uh, in fact, John Yu apparently agrees with this interpretation. Is, is this completely toothless, or does Trump have the capacity to start passing laws, executive orders basically, disguised as laws, without Congress? I mean, I can't imagine these alleged laws would have any real heft behind them. But then again, he's deploying stormtroopers to enforce his will, so... Uh, what do you think about that? Is that something that we should be concerned about? It, it is, although in the long run, his his interpretation of DACA is ridiculous. Bill Barr gave yeah. him that interpretation and the DACA opinion and said, here, run with this, Mr. President, and <laughs> sent him out to, you know, be, be the presidential blowhard that he is. But no, of course, the Supreme Court didn't say our ruling in the DACA case means you can create law by executive order. Right. What they said was the way you try to strike down DACA is basically illegal and improper because once the federal government creates a program, and I admit there were arguments on both sides of the way President Obama created DACA via executive order, and mm. we can have a robust, you know, honorable debate about all of that. But once the federal government goes about creating a program and the people come to rely on that program, then the government cannot arbitrarily and frankly, for reasons that are, you know, xenophobic, just just take it, take that program away, just throw it in the garbage can without going through a certain series of steps. Now, that's very different from say, yes, they said, you know, you might be able to get away with revoking DACA differently if you sort of touch all of the bases that you need to touch. That's very different from saying you have the right to legislate by executive order. That's the way they've tried to contort what was done in the in the DACA ruling. And, you know, this is just another talking point that will eventually fall under the weight of its own frivolity. And even if Trump tries to put out these, you know, harebrained um, executive orders that really look like law and intrude on the prerogative of the legislature, they ain't going to last long. We'll get back to our conversation with Glenn Kirshner here in just one second. But did you know that a large percentage of the face masks sold on the market today are fraudulent? Many of them claim to have levels of filtration they don't meet or worse, have virtually no filtration at all. A very small number of manufacturers have respirator face mask models that are tested in the U.S. by NPPTL and authorized by the FDA. Buying a mask model that has been FDA approved is the best way to ensure you and your family are getting a true respirator mask. These masks filter to greater than 95% efficiency and can be reworn, making them a perfect choice as wearing masks is one of the key things we can do to keep ourselves and our neighbors safe. 
Right now, the NewDealShop.com has FDA-authorized KN95 respirator masks with anti-fake stickers on every single package. These respirator masks are in stock in the U.S. and ship immediately for free for my listeners by adding the code SEXYLIBERAL, two words. You can even get 10% off the clean phone UV sanitizer just for buying these FDA-authorized masks. Go to thenewdealshop.com now and get verified, authenticated, FDA-authorized KN95 masks shipped immediately to your home or business. That's thenewdealshop.com, thenewdealshop.com. Okay, you know what everyone hates? Everyone hates having their picture taken and thrown up on social media by one of their friends. You don't know what the hell pictures they're throwing up there. Inevitably, it's always when you're looking the worst or when you're looking the weirdest. I have a solution for you, a a no unauthorized photos policy for all of your friends on social media and also... Plexiderm. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags, all in the comfort of your home in just a matter of minutes. Plexiderm goes on clear and lasts for hours, so nobody's going to know your secret. Go to TryPlexiderm.com and use my code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm, plus an additional $10 off. What do you have to lose? Or try a $14.95 trial pack today by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code VOICES. Again, visit triplexiderm.com, use the code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle plus an extra $10 off. Or try a $14.95 trial pack when you use the code VOICES at triplexiderm.com. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. You know, just indicating the capacity of what we've been calling the fire hose of news, just the sheer volume of news that's emerging, erupting out of the White House. The one thing that I think a lot of us have missed that's not getting a lot of conversation is uh, related to DACA, the Supreme Court's DACA decision, the Trump administration is defying that decision, aren't they? They haven't approved any new uh, Dreamer applications since the Supreme Court ordered them to start approving those first-time Dreamer applications. Am I right on that? Uh, you know, I don't want to weigh into the, on that because I'm not 100% sure. I may not be completely up on what they have been doing in the aftermath of the Supreme Court decision in the DACA case. It sure wouldn't surprise me. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're really not all that interested in the Supreme Court, you know, ruling one way or another. I mean, they threatened to ignore the Supreme Court's ruling in the census case, right? Mm -hmm. Citizenship on the on the census case. Um, They ultimately blinked at the last minute. But so I I don't exactly know what they've been doing on the DACA front. You know, I know they went through that dog and pony show trying to um, uh, change course on the student visas, which threw all of the educational system and all of the students who were here on those, I think, F-1 visas, it, it threw it threw everybody into chaos. And I know because I teach at George Washington University and it threw our department into chaos. And then, <laughs> you know, of course, a, a couple of months later, they backed off on that. So chaos is the goal. Yeah. There's no overarching policy agenda. Chaos is the goal because chaos is Donald Trump's friend. Well, speaking of chaos, uh, and this also, again, relates to this screwed up interpretation of the DACA decision, thanks to Bill Barr. Trump said the other day that he has the right, and this was from the press room in the White House. Trump said the other day he has the right to ban absentee ballots. I mean, provided he can actually do it and provided that he will try to do it. How the hell does he even enforce that? I mean, DHS troops? I mean, 
How does he pursue that? How does he make that into something that's concrete? He doesn't. He doesn't any more than he claims he has the right to open order schools to open or he has the right to order state schools to close or he has the right to order governors to open or close certain segments of their society and their businesses. He doesn't. I mean, you know, I don't think anybody has ever held up a cartoon version of the Tenth Amendment in front of Donald Trump's face and explained to him that the powers of the federal government are few and enumerated and limited and the power reserved to the states and the people are unlimited. Mm -hmm. You know, he has said, you know what, I can do anything I want as president. Article two gives me the right to do he, he doesn't. And whether he believes it, he doesn't believe it. You know, it's just more chaos that he injects. So yeah. he can claim that he can ban absentee ballots and he can bring suit against states who want to, you know, I- expand um, the, the, the ability of their citizens to vote by mail. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's going to lose all of these suits. He's going to embarrass himself. And my, you know, my fervent hope is that he loses in November and we can keep him from burning the entire country down between November and January. And then come January, you know, we start rebuilding, we start reforming. Um, we start a, uh, what I call the Trump crimes commission to, you know, really engage in a full fair, apolitical grand jury investigation of what all of these crooked politicians have done to the, uh, to the United States and to the citizens of this country and to the immigrants who came here just, you know, looking for, a better way of life and have their children taken away and thrown in cages. And we present it all to the grand jury in an apolitical way. And then we live with the grand jury's decision about who to indict and for what, because the grand jury sits as the conscience of the community. It's an apolitical group of citizens. And, you know, as, as long as you run all the evidence through the grand jury fairly, you live with what they decide about who should be indicted and for what that's what we need to do beginning in January. You know, and along those lines, I mean, what do you foresee in terms of what you've been calling the Trump Crime Commission? Uh, First of all, is there going to be political will for U.S. attorneys to reopen the cases or to open new ones? And what do you think will top the list of things that would be included, that would be pursued in the context of that commission? I maintain if we don't have the political will to hold all of these criminal politicians accountable beginning in January, we've taken one huge step on the road to the end of our republic because mm-hmm. you know we we decided that the, that the right thing to do by the country in the aftermath of Richard Nixon being a criminal president was decline to hold him accountable that to this career prosecutor's ear is insanity you never you can't heal and you can't achieve anything that approaches justice by declining to hold the criminal yeah. accountable for God's sakes. If yep. your house is robbed or God forbid somebody is raped, you never tell the victim, here's the way you're going to heal. We're going to decline to hold the person who victimized you accountable. That's not the way justice works. So look, Joe Biden has already said that he will not grant a pardon. He wouldn't even have to say that if he wasn't at least entertaining that Trump and company will be held criminally accountable, right? Because yeah. if not, you don't need a pardon. So I was encouraged by that. And, you know, listen, we've got more than 150,000 dead Americans. And yep. 22 of my 30 years, I was a homicide prosecutor. I see homicide liability all over what Donald Trump and Jared Kushner and the rest of these clowns on the coronavirus task force have done to the, the American 
population. Um, you know, I could run through the three elements of involuntary manslaughter or negligent homicide if you want, but yeah. I will tell you that, that, sure, here they are, real quickly. And, you know, I, I was big on trying to bring novel theories of liability for murders that took place in Washington, D.C., so I kind of know whereof I speak when it comes to homicide liability. The first element is that you do something in a grossly negligent manner, or you have a duty to do something and you fail to do it in a grossly negligent manner. Trump had a duty to protect the American people and take reasonable steps to accomplish that duty, and he failed miserably and in a grossly negligent manner. I argue he failed intentionally, which would even you know be a greater level of homicide, but I'm sticking with the lowest level of homicide. The second element is that your gross negligence was reasonably likely to inflict death or serious bodily injury on another. When you're dealing with the grossly negligent um, mismanagement of a deadly pandemic, then clearly your gross negligence is reasonably likely to result in death or serious bodily injury of another. And then the third element, which is the one that some people think is a sticking point, but it's really not. The third element is that your gross negligence thereby caused the death of another. And people mm -hmm. say, well, you can't prove he caused the death because causing the death of, of another conjures up notions that you, sh you, you, you sh fired a firearm at them and killed them, or you stabbed them, or you strangled them, or you bludgeoned them. No, the law defines causation in the uh, term causing the death of another as your conduct is a substantial factor in bringing about the death of another. And Donald Trump's conduct is a substantial factor in bringing about the death of more than 150,000 Americans. There is manslaughter liability all over what Donald Trump and Jared Kushner and others have done, and they need to be held accountable for mass involuntary manslaughter. I, and I truly, truly hope so. What are the... What are the odds? And I know a lot of us have independently come up with various scenarios for pardons in terms of, let's say, Donald Trump resigning two days before inauguration. Mike Pence becomes president, pardons Trump. Can he not only pardon Trump for obviously past crimes, but can Pence in that in that scenario pardon Trump for future crimes that have yet to be uncovered or indicted? Is that is that a possibility, too? Well, you can pardon somebody for all crimes committed up to the date, up to the moment you issue the pardon, ah. even if, yeah, even if those crimes aren't uncovered or sufficient evidence to bring charges um, it is not uncovered until some future date. That doesn't matter. The drop dead date for for immunizing somebody basically against prosecution by giving them a pardon is the moment you give them the pardon, all prior crimes that you committed before that moment in time, you can be pardoned for. Federal crimes, not state crimes. So Pence couldn't pardon him for any of the crimes he committed in New York that the New York state authorities are in the process of investigating. So, But here's the other thing. I do believe Trump will step down a couple of days prior to you know him having to leave office in January if Pence has agreed to deliver a pardon to him. Now, I don't know that Pence 
is interested in committing political suicide, which is what <laughs> would result, I believe, if he did that. And Pence is all about Pence, let's yeah. face it. Yep. And so I don't know that he would agree to do that. But if he does, then we have to charge Donald Trump anyway in January and go into court and fight the legality of that kind of a pardon, because we would have to show that Pence and Donald Trump were co-conspirators in some crime. And I don't, I don't know if there's going to be evidence of that. It smells that way based on the whole coronavirus task force and all the other lies that Mike Pence told to prop up Donald Trump, because I'll, let me drop this in there. There is a law on the federal books, 18 USC section three, it's called accessory after the fact. And if Mike Pence lied about anything Donald Trump did, if he tried to give him cover, if he tried to claim Donald Trump didn't do something wrong when he did, then he has committed the offense of accessory after the fact, which simply says, if you know somebody has committed an offense against the United States and you do anything to help that person avoid being held accountable for it, then you are a criminal accessory after the fact. So all of this is a lot of legal mumbo jumbo, but we'd have to go into court. We would have to fight the legality of any pardon Pence delivered to Trump. And again, I predict the judiciary would not take kindly to it. Mm, unbelievable. And, you know, after Mazars and after Vance, after those decisions in the Supreme Court, there's really no chance the Supreme Court would uphold a self-pardon, would they? There, there is already, you know, the Supreme Court has said that a prospective pardon, which is what we were just discussing, like when uh, Gerald Ford pardoned Nixon prospectively because he had never been charged with a crime. Yeah. And you can still you can deliver that kind of a pardon. The Supreme Court has said that's fine. Well, there's an Office of Legal Counsel opinion, the Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel, which I'm not a fan of because they issued that horrendous opinion saying we cannot indict a sitting criminal president. That's right. a horrible opinion that were memo, which will have to be revisited come January. But they also issued an opinion back in 1974, I think, that said a president cannot self pardon. Hmm. So as of this moment, that is the Department of Justice official policy. A president cannot lawfully self-pardon. Unbelievable. That's great news. And in fact, you know what? I landed on an OLC memo from, I think, 2000 that also said, and I don't know, you, but please clarify for me whether this will still apply, that the president can be prosecuted federally for things that he was impeached for and then was acquitted in the Senate for. So in other words, the yeah. entire Ukraine conspiracy, Trump, provided he's not pardoned, Trump can be prosecuted for that federally after he's out of office, right? That's exactly right. Okay. There is no double jeopardy implication by being found not guilty in the Senate because it's not a criminal proceeding. It's a political proceeding. So mm. he can absolutely be tried for among other things, all 10 felony obstruction of justice counts that Bob Mueller meticulously documented in volume two of his report. What Bob Mueller did was two things. One, he issued that report as a blueprint for impeachment. And knowing Bob the way I, I did, he was my direct supervisor and an important professional mentor to me when I was becoming a homicide mm -hmm. prosecutor in Washington, D.C. Bob Mueller thought when he delivered that report, now this is my assumption, that because it was so dramatic, there were so many federal crimes documented in volume two, I think he firmly believed that 
Congress would pick this up as the impeachment referral it is, and they would impeach him and convict him and remove him. Of course, they did none of that. They waited for him to commit more crimes in connection with his bribing President Zelensky. He also, but the, the second thing that this report was designed to accomplish, it's designed to be a, a prosecution blueprint for the minute Donald Trump leaves office. And he has documented all of the evidence. He has preserved all of the evidence of Donald Trump's 10 felony obstruction of justice offenses. And the prosecutors will be off and running in the grand jury come January, assuming we have the political will. You know, prosecutions or not, in that context, are we ever going to find out for sure whether Trump was compromised and exactly how he's compromised by Russia? I mean, obviously, there's lots of speculation. Trump Tower, Moscow, maybe there's other sort of money laundering connections and so on that could be exposed. But I mean, in terms of the overall scope of why Trump has been so loyal to Vladimir Putin. I mean, are we going to find out those details regardless of whether he's actually pursued legally for it? If Biden is elected, I believe we are, because I I think Biden will understand the importance of complete transparency, shining Mm. the harsh light of day on everything that Trump and company have been burying and trying to hide from the American people, including why is Donald Trump beholden to Putin? I mean, it's no it's no um, secret that he's beholden to Putin because yeah. he talks to Putin on the phone one day and orders troops out of Syria the next unilaterally without consulting with his own you know, military or intelligence community leaders. He talks to Putin one day and the next day he unilaterally says, I want the G7 to become the G8 because I'm inviting Russia to, to join us. He, he talks to Putin one day and the next day he says we're withdrawing troops from Germany. None of this is a secret that he's beholden to Putin. I believe if Biden takes over in January, we will learn why. Thank God. You know, one last question for you, Glenn, uh, before I let you go. What's the likelihood the Trumps will have to flee to a non-extradition country after, <laughs> after the inauguration? What are the odds that they're going to have to prepare go bags and passports? If I were a betting man, and I'm not, I don't bet, but I would say, I'm going to say 25-75. 25 that he'll flee, 75 that he will stay here and fight the um, inevitable prosecutions. I'm pulling for the 25 myself. I'm leaning that. <laughs> God, I hope it's the 25%, Glenn. The great Glenn Kirshner. Links in the description for Glenn's Twitter and YouTube. Thank you so much, my friend, for being a, a sane voice of reason throughout Thanks, this entire Bob. dark ride. I can't wait to see you again yeah. on the Stephanie Miller Show and definitely again on this show. Yeah, enjoy talking to you, Bob. Thanks.